Welcome back to another episode of That's Business. Today's guest, Jessica York, is the definition of a Renaissance woman. As the owner of Breathe Bodywork and Beautification in Ferndale, Michigan, she's cultivated an atmosphere devoted to healing and self-care, as well as physical health and recovery. This focus on holistic led to create her podcast, When Survival Looks Like Success, which is focused on entrepreneurship, mental health, and storytelling from Metro Detroit-based business owners. This year, she formed Coterie Detroit as an outreach extension of the networking she has been cultivating, which is an all-inclusive entrepreneurial group to deliver excellent business coaching that supports a healthy mentality surrounding work. She has been featured in several magazines, podcasts, and local events, as well as placing Best of Detroit 2023 two years in a row. Jessica, thank you so much for agreeing to this podcast. I'm excited to have this conversation. Yes. Although we have so many facets of you, I don't know how we're going to squeeze into here. I'm like, where do we start with you? I don't know. Just dive in. You're one of those people every time I see you, I mean, obviously follow you on social media and talk here and there, but like, oh, of course she's doing something else. Of course you're nominated for this award. Like you're just truly Renaissance woman, like you said. I try. I actually really admire people that have like a central passion that they're like, this is the one thing I'm going to put all of my like eggs into. I love this one thing more than anything. I don't know what that's like. I'm like, I love this and I love this and I love this and I like this and let's try this. And so it's just whatever. And I just roll with it. I don't know and if I'm stepping over boundaries here, but I feel like we've talked about this because do you have ADD as well? I have OCD. Oh, you have OCD. Okay. I feel like it's the difference with neurodivergent business owners where it's like you think in so many different ways versus the business owner who's just like, I have one thing I'm passionate about, which both are great, but it makes for kind of rolling through changes, which is awesome. I do think it makes you more adaptable because you're not relying on just that one thing. And like in my case, I've had different instances throughout my career where I couldn't you know, massage is like my primary background. And so I couldn't massage like if I hurt my wrist or one time I cut my corner of my thumb off and one oh, time wow. I ripped my shoulder. And so it's just like stuff like that, that it's like you have to learn like, OK, I can't put all of my focus into just this one thing because there's always the possibility that one thing goes away, you know. Mm-hmm. And then it's not as devastating. I mean, especially like with the pandemic. I mean, when you couldn't even see clients, I mean, you had to get crafty and it's just like how you had to diversify. And although devastating still, nonetheless, it's like, you know, you still survive post or, you know, as we're getting out of the pandemic more, but yeah, it's just crazy here. You know, other people had problems and so many people, their business is closed. The business I was at closed. And then I started Mm -hmm. my own business literally the second they allowed me to open. So, I mean, that's what I planned for. I pulled the trigger and I was busy from day one. So I never had that like lack, like people were just waiting for me to open again. So I was really lucky because so many massage businesses closed, half the schools in Michigan closed, but actually I was full from day one. So it was different. And I guess I don't realize that because You are one of those kindred souls that I feel like I've known forever, but I really have only known you, what, a year or two? I swear time is a construct with like pre-pandemic and not, but. So I have been doing what I've been doing for 17 years, but the business I was at, yeah, it closed pretty much the second the pandemic hit. They were like, we're just going to close permanently. And it was fine. Like I said, I've been doing this for a very long time, so it wasn't a big deal for me to open my own place. And I really wanted to do that instead of taking another position somewhere else. So you had this already brewing then. So when did you know you wanted to start your own practice? 
I was really interested in being an entrepreneur from day one. And we're talking about even before I went into massage school, I just kind of knew I wanted to own my own business. Like I bought retail for dummies and I bought like the entrepreneurial's guide to wisdom. And so I was kind of really interested in opening my own business without having to go to business school. And so I was like, I think I can just teach myself this stuff. And so then when I went into massage, you're pretty much always working for yourself because you're an independent contractor. Being an employee for massage is kind of only common in the chain, sometimes in the hospitals. But otherwise, you're either working for yourself completely or you're subcontracting for somebody else. And so it's nice. I like that freedom. I haven't had like a nine to five job since I was 18, 19. So I mean, I don't think I could ever go back to that. And it's good. I like having more flexibility in my schedule. I like choosing when I want to work, when not to work. And if you've listened to my podcast, you certainly probably know how I feel about most corporate work structure (laughs) in general. We are very aligned in that, which is why I wanted you to be a guest on here. So I love that. So taking it back, I always like to ask guests, you know, what were you like as a child? What did you want to be when you grew up? Talk to me on that. So as a child, I was pretty much the same as I am now, but more introverted. So very quiet, very shy. I always had a lot of interest, though I was same thing as now. I was very multi-passionate. I am an only child. So I was very in my head a lot. And I like to like play with figurines. I like to read. I would make stories up. I was never into things being chaotic. I really didn't like other kids. I didn't like high energy kids. I didn't like all that loudness and screaming and hyperactivity. Like that was not my thing. I was very much like into like imagination and kind of going within. And yeah, I was very whimsical. I think I was a very whimsical kid. I eventually got over some of that shyness when I switched from private school to public school. Because in private school, I was bullied a lot. I was isolated a lot. I'd get in trouble and eventually got kicked out of private school. Well, nice. they nicely asked me to leave. Um, <laughs> yeah, I did start speaking up for myself quite a bit and things I was upset about and they don't like when you question that. So I went to public school and then just kind of did a complete flip and got tons of friends, which I'm still friends with today, actually, and horrible boyfriends and was just this bad girl. And I went from the like good girl private school to just bad girl public school, but still getting like great grades. <laughs> And like still developing great connections with people, but it set me on definitely a better path, one that was a little bit more authentic to me because I could just be myself then. I wasn't so worried about trying to fit in. Like there was just such a a big diversity of people. And so I'm really grateful that I did end up going to a public school because I think that helped bring me out of my shell and just have people that were okay with me being me, which was nice and refreshing because we all need that. We all need to feel like, we're validated for our own authentic nature and that people love us for who we are. And so I'm grateful that I did have that, whereas so many people don't. It's so funny because I went to private school up until high school. I just remember day one of public school and entering high school. And it was just like, what am I, where am I going? So I didn't know that about you because I I relate to that and it is different and had similar, like I was super introvert. I was extrovert in a sense, but very shy and quiet. So you would never know that about either one of us today, knowing how we are. I think a lot of, it's funny, like I look back on that girl that I was and I mean, to some degree, I think I'm like an ambivert. 
that's a great term. I'm glad that it's not just introvert or extrovert anymore. I definitely am an ambivert. So when I'm done working with people or doing social functions and things like that, then I like need to go in. And several times throughout the year, I take time to just like be around nobody, cleanse that energy from my system. I love that. Mm -hmm. Now, at what point did you know you wanted to get into being a mental health advocate or getting into your holistic approach to massages? When did you know that's what you wanted to do? So I wanted to be a psychologist growing up. I think around uh, maybe 10, I was like, okay, I think I really want to go into psychology, which was fairly young. But in my family, we had a couple of social workers. So I started like really diving deep into like self-help books. I was always into holistics, always. Probably another reason I got kicked out of private school. I uh, was really into that. And then even in high school, I did psychology. I did independent study psychology. And I had a very good mind for how other minds worked. I was very good at studying people in terms of their levels of communication. I could figure out how to, unfortunately, like kind of micromanage or manipulate conversations and situations. I could figure out how to de-escalate someone. I could figure out how to escalate someone. And so I became very apt to that. What changed was I had like a full ride scholarship. Junior year, I had great grades. I was like a 3.93 GPA. I was president of choir. I was in a lot of clubs. It's the same thing as I'm now. Like I was kind of all over the place doing musicals, doing plays. I thought it was a shoe in for a full ride. And I did until junior year. And I think that was the year that Granholm came in office. I think it was my junior year. And one of the first things she did was cut the scholarship that gave the full ride. So I panicked. I went from having a full ride to nothing, like overnight. Oh. And so now... We're going into senior year. I applied for 75 scholarships and I got none because obviously probably more people than just me were in that same boat. And so I was like, it's OK. I'm still going to go. I still have like my MEEP scholarship or whatever it was at the time. I went and they were like, OK, well, you need to get a student loan. And I was like, OK, like, tell me about it. Right. Well, they were like, well, you're 18. You need to have your parents co-sign. And that was the point where I was like, I'm not going to do that. I don't know if there's a pot of gold at the end of this rainbow. And when they showed me that in the four years I was at Wayne State for just my bachelor's, I was only doing eight psychology classes. I was like, this is nothing. Like, this mm -hmm. is just such a small chunk of my time. Why am I wasting my time with all of this other stuff? Like, I knew there'd be gen ed, but I thought at least half of what you'd be going into. No, <laughs> Not even close. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to try to go for a semester here. But I was working full time at Victoria's Secret, which paid nothing. And I ended up in a lot of debt real quick. And I was like, I'm just going to drop out. This isn't like fiscally responsible. And I don't want my parents to be accountable in case something changes. And lo and behold, it did change. And then suddenly you needed your master's and couldn't just have a bachelor's. So looking back, it was for sure the right move for me. I would have never been comfortable coming out of that with like $150,000 in debt, <laughs> you know, and not having a job that would pay that back in an orderly time. Like, I didn't want to be paying off student loans till I'm 70. Like, that's crazy to me. So looking back, I'm glad I made that decision. But then you're left 18 and you're like, great, I'm intelligent. I have a crappy job at Victoria's Secret. What am I going to do now? So I started going into modeling. And okay, modeling in Michigan doesn't really pay the bills. Like I was doing bridal. I did some print, but it's so all over the place. 
So I was flipping through a CNG newspaper. Like, do you remember the CNG newspaper? How old are you? Are you close to my age? I'm 29. No, okay, so you're younger than me. You're seven years younger. So but you still remember a CNG newspaper. And there was an ad for a massage school. And I was like, okay, it's like $14,000. I'm like, that doesn't seem horribly unrealistic. Like, I wouldn't feel bad asking my parents to co-sign on a loan for that because it was smaller, you know? And so I talked to them. It was like, okay, let's do it. And I went in and I just ended up being kind of naturally good at it. And so because I was naturally good at it, I was also able to start working faster. I'm still doing it 17 years later. So I still love it. <laughs> also didn't know you were going to school. I wanted to be a psychologist too. So we have, we have so many things aligned. This is so funny. It is different. And it's same thing. I didn't want to go through school. I had zero interest getting my PhD. I was yeah. like, that's I no, not for me. But it does help, I feel, especially if you have a psychology background, like just connecting with your clients more and just understanding and being passionate about mental health as well, because a lot of people aren't or they're just like, oh, let's just like shove it under the rug here and let's not talk about it. Throw it in the closet for nobody to see. So and we need more people like you. And when you're doing massage, it's freakishly similar to like psychologists. <laughs> Sometimes people come in and pass out. But I would say a lot of times people come in, they know it's a safe space. They know it's a sacred space. They know I'm pretty much an open book. And that's why I'm an open book so that they're comfortable sharing whatever they need to share too. And I'm not going to judge them for it. So I think that that provides something really nice because then you're getting like this mental release and physical release at the same time. What was the idea behind starting your podcast and the goal of what your own podcast is? So when Survival Looks Like Success was inspired by a chapter in a book by Sarah Von Brethnack, the chapter had a somewhat similar title. It was, I don't know, like when you have a mask on and take it off. And but it, when you have the mask on, that's like your success mask. I can't remember the wording exactly, but. I was really identifying with that a lot. I started it in October of 2021. And so I was like, ooh, I have a lot to talk about. People were telling me constantly, you should have your own podcast, you should have your own podcast. Usually when I execute something, it's something people have been telling me to do for a long time. And I was like, okay, like, why not? This is something I'm passionate about. I'm really passionate about mental health. I was already speaking quite a bit about that. I had, you know, been an author and I had written a book and contributed to articles and spoke for International Women's Day. And so I started it just kind of for myself. But then I was like, no, I really want to have other people on. Like, I want them to share their stories because I can only tell my truth from my perspective. I can't tell somebody else's truth if I've never been through that or even just relating about it. And obviously, you know, we've all heard like entrepreneurship is really lonely. And so I thought that this would be a really good avenue for other business owners, other entrepreneurs or people that even just in high powered jobs that are like feeling the pressure, feeling the stress, feeling the like you said, you were talking about like a neurodivergent business owner. I do feel everyone is neurodivergent because I've never met anyone neurotypical in my life. <laughs> Maybe it's the people you're surrounded by. You're calling them to you. Yeah, but I've actually just never funny. met anyone what I would consider neurotypical. I've had people present as neurotypical, but then you're like, but when you do have something that is like ADHD, ADD, bipolar, obsessive compulsive disorder, where there's a certain level of unpredictability to it, that can make running a business really, really challenging. 
And there are. There are other people out there that don't know that they can do this, be successful, and execute their lives accordingly if people are talking about it. And so the first season went really well. We did place an hour Detroit for, we got third place for our Best of Detroit podcast, which blew my mind. I mean, it just blew my mind. And I feel like the first year was really, really good. We talked about everything. We talked about grief. We talked about how people should kind of start stepping back against some corporate, we'll call it foul play going on. Uh, we talked a lot about thinking differently, men's mental health. We talked about mental illnesses, everything you can kind of think of. We talked about miscarriages and we talked about losing your business, what that's like, losing your business for health reasons, losing your business because of COVID. And so it became a really great like storytelling platform for Metro Detroit businesses. And that's continuing as we begin season two here as well. So there's going to be a host of topics this year. Uh, the first couple coming up are about ghosting which sucks. <laughs> We're going to be talking about kind of like the hustle, like when you're building from nothing, when you're building from ground up for your business and you don't have any advantages going into it. We're going to be talking about ditching toxic friends, how it is running a business and operating in life without a certain parent, like a father or mother. There's some good topics like going in right off the gate. And this season is also on YouTube too. So that's fun if people want to watch me. That was a common request for the first season that people like want to watch me. I think because I make a lot of weird facial expressions. That could be why. It's so funny because I hate watching myself and listening to myself. And ugh, I don't know if you've paid attention to our reels we post on Instagram. I have the worst resting bitch face in some of the episodes where one of my guests is just like spew and doing so well and just saying something so impactful. And I'm deadpan. Like my mom literally, yeah, I know Wednesday Adams is like the new hype. I've been called Wednesday since I was a child because I have deadpan face. You're pale. You with the dark hair. See, yeah, I think that's actually, yeah. But I gotta take that as a compliment because I'm obsessed with Adam Stanley. Exactly. So when people are like, oh, have you heard of this? I'm like, bitch, my mom has called me Wednesday. That's her nickname for me. But it's interesting of this world of like podcasting and seeing your, I don't know, maybe I just, you've been a model, so you're used to seeing yourself. But it is interesting, different body language and stuff like that. And people relate. Like I can't sit still. So it's like, oh, yeah. I'm not alone in this. But mm -hmm. Now, with the podcast, and now, of course, because you're not busy enough, you started Coterie. So where did that blossom from? Okay. Uh, I'm going to try to word this properly. We met in Level Detroit. Yes. And Level Detroit was amazing to me. Going into that, I think it was the second month of my business. August of uh, 2020 was when I started there. And I met Violetta. That was her first day, too. And so there was like all these cute people I met like right off the gate. And it was really like inspirational to me because I was like, oh, my gosh, look at all these like amazing dressed women, which I was excited about because I'm like, even though I'm like scrubbing it right now, I'm like a total like fashion maven. Like I love fashion. That's what I'm doing in my spare time. I'm like reading Vogue. And yeah, so. I was like, look at these fashionable women and I get to dress the way I want to dress. Like you get to just be this person you kind of want to be, right? And it was kind of funny. I actually had so much business experience going into opening my business. So even though I was a new business, I had a lot of years of managing other people's businesses and running different things besides that. Going there, I just loved it. I loved hearing people and it was like great business advice. And I was like, yes, I love this. I bounced around a couple other networking groups in the area too. 
But nothing felt as good as like Laval did because of the mix of people. It was like, here's people that are just starting. Here's people that are established. Here's people from different areas, you know, of Metro Detroit. Well, so Laval definitely had ups and downs, ups and downs, ups and downs. And then eventually there was like talk of like me taking over the chapter, but then it just kind of fizzled out. Like I think the national leader just had too much going on or something. And so it just kind of fizzled out. And I was like, okay, but, and I was sad, but I was like, okay, whatever. So during that time, people are like, are you going to open your own networking group? Like every couple days, people were like, so what about this? So what about this? Are you going to do it? Are you? <laughs> no, I don't have time for it. And I pushed it off and I pushed it off and I pushed it off. But then here we go. Like, I do know a lot of entrepreneurs and I mean, like networking is like all I do. And I'm definitely the girl that people go to when they're like, oh, do you know a blank? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. You could be like, sure do you know a Vatican nun? And I'd be like, yeah, I do. I- and so eventually I was like, okay, fine, I'm doing it. And so I started Coterie Detroit in December, just this past year, December 22. And I really wanted to take things I loved from networking groups that I was like, yes, these things for sure work and get rid of what I felt wasn't working or wasn't what I wanted. So we definitely have a monthly seminar. I love monthly seminars. I think that's always a great format and it's something easy to plan. I knew I wanted to do it on a Monday. I knew I wanted to do it in a morning. I'm a morning person. So the Sunrise Seminars, I wanted them all to have a two-part component. I wanted it to be a great business topic that's going to help you elevate that, but also a way to preserve your mental health. And so that's kind of the marriage of my podcast. It's a marriage of my regular business. And that's the marriage of this too. I think our first event sold out like really fast. And since then, it's been about like 50% to sell out both times there too. We have a seasonal workshop. I was going to do monthly, but I'm like, okay, Jessica, let's not get carried away. What can you handle? Yes. So like a seasonal workshop and that's heavy business skills. So like the next one coming up is an SEO. The first one we had was a yearly business plan. And it's just straight, like, boom, boom, boom. I make dinner for them. Of course you did. Why wouldn't you? Oh, my God, okay. you're so funny. Like, I can't do night events. When I go to night events, if I haven't eaten, I'm like an evil monster. So I can't expect that, like, other people, because I'm a very structured person. And so, like, I can't expect people to come to my night events and just be, like, sitting there, like, watching the clock the whole time, like, hungry and hangry and not focused. So I just make dinner now. That's what I do. So the next one coming up, there will be dinner. There's, I make dinner. You make dinner. It's fine. It's normal. How has it felt being, well, for those of you that can't see, she has her Our Detroit nominations behind her, which we love. Big fan. But what has that felt like? I mean, before we started recording, we talked about some of the awards you've won or nominations. But what has that been like since you've been in business on your own for, honestly, two years? So I never went for any of that before. And I had a marketing guru tell me, you're going to need to self-promote. And I'm like, ah, it should be grassroots. Right. Things should just happen, right? Like things don't just happen. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go for this. And the worst case is I don't get anything. I wanted to do Our Detroit because it was the most ethical. So like a lot of the other best odds, you can stack that deck. Mm -hmm. You can vote a million times. I mean, you can make up fake names. You can just sit there, click, click, clicking for yourself all day. Our Detroit's not like that. They even let you know, like right off the gate that they'll like verify IP addresses. It's one vote per email. You can't offer bribes. You can't offer incentives. They'll disqualify you. 
So I just feel that they're really ethical about it and that if you get it, it's because your community has voted you in. So I was flabbergasted the first year that we placed second for massage. I was like, what? And at the time, it was just me. There was nobody else here. Like now I have four other people here, but the time was just me. And then I had another girl starting part time. And I was like, oh, my God, I I was like blown away. I remember I sobbed. I sobbed like and what sucked is I actually had food poisoning. So I was like, like on the bathroom floor with food poisoning, like reading the hour Detroit thing on my phone. Like it was ridiculous. So then here comes the pressure then, right? The next year, it's like, okay, here we go again. Then the second year, I placed third for podcast and massage again. And so now we're going into our third year, and that's going on right now. And what's great is our Detroit has changed the structure. So now there's like, you have top five, and then you pick from those top five to go on to the publication. And so it's still a big deal to be like, oh, I'm top five for this, you know? So it's still like a great bragging right. But it's not just about like the popularity contest. It's about leveraging your accolades and it helps your SEO at the same time. If I want to go to an investor, I can be like, look at all these people behind me, supporting me, getting me into this best of Detroit. That's worth more than any money. Like knowing you have community support, knowing you have people that are keeping your business afloat, it's worth its weight in gold. It really is. And it's so awesome. And Sad, of course, you had food poisoning when you found out, but it's, I feel like that, <laughs> no. that feeling will never go away. So that's awesome. The feeling will never go away of having food poisoning on my phone crying because I got our to trade the first year. Yeah. The second year, I wasn't getting the magazine subscription or whatever. And so someone had posted, oh, congratulations to Best Detroit winners. And I'm like, what? Why find out about this? Because it wasn't online yet. And so I drove my ass over to Serona Wellness Spa, who had just opened. And Taylor A is nominated this year, too, um, which is amazing. She's actually nominated for massage in the same category as me. But I'd be so happy if she won, too, because her place is amazing. And um, she, like, stayed, like, after her business had closed so I could go see the magazine to see if I won. And I thought that was the sweetest thing. Oh, that was nice. Yeah. I mean, I just met her at the time. So that was like really special to me to even just do that. And so now that she's nominated this year, it's really cool. It's like so cool. It's great when you see like other businesses like that are in your networking group or in your community and they're smaller places. And it's so great to see them get like bigger accolades like this. It's a game changer. And I think it's a game changer for Metro Detroit businesses that you don't need to be these like million dollar places to be extremely successful and have a great community backing you. Well, and it's all what you put into it as well. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I have always been an Our Detroit fan, even Mm -hmm. like in high school and just reading through it. I love that you said that because I feel the same way because when I filled out my ballot, I'm like, wait, I actually know a lot of these people. Like, this is awesome. Like, good for you. And seeing your name pop up in multiple categories was incredible as well. But It is true because it's not the millionaires, like you said. Some are nominated, which we won't get into that. But it's really great to see. And it's just like having a community support you and just like you and like you are good people. And that's where I'm not surprised you get these nominations and these awards you've received because it's all I don't know. I'm a universe person. So I'm like you put in good, you get good back. Now, one, what exciting things do you have coming up for this year for your podcast, your business, your networking group. I mean, gosh, what, what are your plans for this year? I'm going to go with the highlights because there's a lot. So we'll do the ESPN highlights here. Yeah. 
We'll go to the ESPN highlight reel for that one because otherwise we'd be here all day. So Coterie Detroit, my plan for that for the rest of the year is to continue having our monthly sunrise seminars and our um, seasonal workshops. In the summer, we won't have a workshop because myself and Jessica from Glamazon Beauty Lounge in Ferndale co-host the Ferndale Wellness Fair. Amazing. Yeah, that is also the third year for that. So the first year, I think we had around 100 people attend. The second year, we had over 300 people attend. So hopefully this year, I just lose count again around 300 and we're good. (laughs) It's great. It's up to 30 vendors. And what's nice about it is I was surprised that Ferndale hadn't done that in the past. They didn't have a wellness fair. And I was like, hello, we're in Ferndale. It's like definitely one of like the wellness meccas in Metro Detroit. So it's been really nice to be able to bring that with another like local business owner, another Jessica, Team Jessica. So I'm really excited to be bringing that back again. And it's a great opportunity for people that are in Coterie, Detroit or in the you know vicinity and network to even just come hang out together and eat some good food and try different people's businesses. And it's really fun. My business, Breathe Bodywork and Beautification, twice a year, we go to the YMCA Women's Wellness Weekend and we work that. And we do spa services. And then I also host a really great meditation class there. And it's beautiful. It's in Escoda. It's Camp Nisaconi. And it's on a private lake. So it's just like, if you want to have adult summer camp with just women, that's where you go. Amazing. And it's affordable. It's like 200 bucks for the weekend. Oh, yeah. And all your food is included. Where is it? What is it? In Escoda? Yeah, it's in Escoda. It's through the YMCA and it's Women's Wellness Weekend at Camp Nice Amazing. And I love it. I was an attendee there with my best friend a few years ago. And then after that, I messaged them and I'm like, I need to be a spa provider there because I love it. (laughs) So we have a lot of fun. And so that's in um, May and the end of September. Mm -hmm. So that's what's going on there. Season two of When Survival Looks Like Success just started. I have it through like my Buzzsprout page. I use Buzzsprout and then it's distributed to every major listening platform you can think of. And then it's also on YouTube. So I just started that and I'm really looking forward to that growing this year. I want to grow the national presence this year, but I also like just really want to hit more of this Master Detroit community. I really want this to be kind of a household name for anyone that listens to podcasts when it comes to Metro Detroit. Because I just think that even though Yes, there's a lot of entrepreneurship talked about. Really, the topics at hand play into everyone's everything. And I do talk about a lot of just personal topics and reframing our minds and challenging societal quotas. So I'm sure eventually I'll get shut up by the powers that be. But uh, (laughs) at the same token, I think it's conversations that need to be had. So I'm looking forward on expanding that for the year for sure. Amazing. As we wrap this up, what advice do you have for listeners? I would say, okay, here we go. My biggest advice for listeners is that there is no such thing as fact. There is no such thing as fact. Your truth, your perception, all of that is comprised of who you are. And we all have that. Facts change every single day. History changes every single day. We're learning more. We're unlearning. We're finding out new things we didn't know. And so it really helps to not be so adherent to anything. It's like in Buddhism where they practice like not attaching. That means not attaching to like certain ideals, not attaching to certain goals or certain mindsets or certain don't overly attach. If you let go of some of that attachment, you're going to feel a lot more like inner peace and wellness and health. 
because you're not making yourself sick over something that is essentially always in motion and knowledge is always in motion. So that would be for sure my biggest piece of advice, both personally and professionally for a healthier mindset overall. Amazing. This was so much fun. We could have hours of podcasts with everything you do. Jessica, thank you so much. I'm so excited to go to Coterie finally that I have an open schedule. I'm so excited to see your business continue to grow and fingers crossed you achieve these awards. And those of you listening, if you live in Metro Detroit, want to work with Jessica, all her information is in the show notes. You can follow her on social media. Yeah. Tune in next week for another episode of That's Business. If you're looking for a career change and you're not sure where to start, The Resume Rescue can help. Sure, there's no such thing as the perfect fit for everyone, but here at The Resume Rescue, we're on a mission to find the perfect solution for you. Whether it's changing careers, updating a resume, learning LinkedIn, or practicing interviewing, we have you covered. Find us online at theresumerescue.com and find all of our contact info in our show notes.